Amen. Amen. I had no idea what it was going to look like the first Sunday we got back together again, and I don't know what it's going to look like next Sunday or the Sunday after or the Sunday after, um, but I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank all those who are at home and still a part of our Facebook Live congregation. It's been a great adventure. It's going to continue to be a great adventure, but we have a great God who's taken us through it all. We are working our way through the book of John here on Sunday mornings. I'm taking a chapter a week. We're pulling something out there that uh, the Lord is going to speak to us about, talk to us about. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What is a Gospel? It's a narrative. It's a history. It's a biography. And so we have four of them because four men saw the life of Jesus from their own different perspective. And when all four are put together, we get a more complete picture of the life of Christ. And I love the Gospel of John. John wrote it as an older man. He had been a fisherman before he met Jesus, very practical kind of guy. He was the brother of James. He would go on to become a leader in the church, and he would repeat these stories over and over again that he had seen happen in the life of Jesus. But he wrote this as an older man because he wanted the generations that followed to be able to be eyewitnesses through his own eyewitness. So thank God. 2,000 years later, we still have these stories. They're almost written as if John had a camera with him, uh, uh, one of those old Kodak cameras where you take a picture and comes right out the bottom, and that he kept these things for years in his mind and repeated them, but now he's putting them on paper for us. The one we're going to look at today is in chapter 7. It's a remarkable story. It's all around a holiday celebration that the Jews had in the time of Jesus called the Feast of Tabernacles. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to tell you about this feast because the point is what happens at the end of the feast, which was different than they'd ever experienced before. But for that point to make sense, you're going to have to know a little bit about this holiday, this Feast of Tabernacles. So John chapter 7, verse 2. Now, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. We have holidays. We have Christmas. We have Thanksgiving. And what are our major ones? We have Easter. We have Independence Day. They had three major holidays, and they were a big deal. The city of Jerusalem had about 200,000 people in it. But during one of these holidays, it would swell to over a million people because the rule was if you lived within 30 miles, you're supposed to go there. And that sometimes was a two-day hike, three-day hike to get there to celebrate. This particular feast happened five days every year, five days after the high holiday called the Day of Atonement. It would begin the day after the Sabbath. It would last an entire week. So it was like having Thanksgiving for a whole week, and it would end on the Sabbath. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a remembrance of the time when the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That was the point. We remember Thanksgiving 
the time the pilgrims came over. So we talk about that. There's movies about that. This holiday was all about the time when the ancestors of these Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, do you remember that story? They were supposed to go into the promised land. Twelve spies went into the promised land. They checked it out. They came back and gave a report. Ten gave the bad report. They said, we can't go in there. Those guys are big. Uh, they'll eat our lunch. Uh, we can't do it. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, no way. We can take them. Our God is bigger. The people listened to the bad report. God said, you can't come in the promised land because of your lack of faith. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Years Now, though the occasion of the wandering was not good, it was a lack of faith, the Jews are remembering the neat things that happened during the wandering. Because during the wandering, God took total care of everybody. He gave them a pillar of fire at night so they could see the way that he was still there. He gave them cloud by day to shade them and guide them. He gave them the special food that fell down from heaven called manna. They could eat some every day. And then when they were thirsty, there was a big rock there. And God said to Moses, hit the rock with a stick. He does. Water starts coming out of the rock. Enough water to take care of the thirst of millions of people. The second time, God said, do it to the rock again. This time, speak to it. Moses hit it. Shouldn't have done it. Bad stuff happened. But water did come out, and people got to drink as well. So this feast is about remembering all of that, how God took total care of us. But it was also about looking forward also. The feast was also about, you know, one day a Messiah is going to come. And he's going to take care of his people like God took care of us back in the wilderness. So what they do during the holiday? Let's work through it. During this holiday, it was kind of a fun one. Remember, it lasted for five days. The families would move out of their houses. They would go camping. Now, kids who are here in the service, you imagine how fun that was? Every year for five days, you get to go camping. You have to go outside of your house. They would build this kind of lean-to shelter. It was made out of branches. We have a picture of that we want to show you. It was made out of branches. Uh, that's potentially what it looked like. You could build them on top of your house. You could build them in the backyard. But when you built one of these little lean-to things, you would stay in them for the whole time of the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the way of remembering our ancestors lived in the wilderness. And then... In the temple, the big giant temple where they worshiped God, they would put up huge candelabras, light them up so that everybody could see this place lit up at night. And that was a reminder how God sent that fire at night to light up the sky. So they would be living in their little lean-to shelters, remembering how God took care of people in the wilderness. They'd be looking at the temple. It's all lit up. Look at that. That's how God lit up the sky for our ancestors who lived a long time ago. And then there were lots of sacrifices. They were big on that, animals being sacrificed all the time. Every day they'd blow a special trumpet at a special time. And then every day they would march down to a little pool called the Pool of Siloam, and there they would get water out of this pool. Now, uh, we have a picture of that also, how that pool actually looks today. You can still go to Jerusalem. I've been there. You can still go to the Pool of Siloam. It looks like that. 
They would march down there every day, get water out of there, and that was to remember that their ancestors got this water out of this rock. It was a big day. Every day they'd march down during a burnt offering. They would celebrate that God had poured water out of a rock. Very, very special time. And that story was in Exodus chapter 17. You can read it all there. But the last day of this feast was the big day. They've been building up for it. And the last day they would go down and get water out of the pool. They would use a special pitcher, a big golden pitcher to get the water out. They would bring it back and they would pour it down a special place on the altar so it got down to the very bottom. And then the priest would march around after having brought the pitcher of water, and he would shout out loud, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. O Lord, save us. I mean, over and over again, this was what you would kind of say. O Lord, grant us success. He'd pour water in, it would go down, and the crowds were watching. They were excited. They'd have branches, palm branches in one hand, fruit in the other hand. Oh, Lord, save us. Oh, Lord, save us. Just kind of remembering how God fed everybody out in the wilderness. And that was normally the end. That was it. Hey, wasn't that a great feast of tabernacles? We had fun this year, didn't we? Wasn't that great? We had some good times. We visited some of our buddies. We hadn't seen them in a year or since the last festival. Great times. Good stuff. Let's take down our little lean-to, maybe save some of it if we can so we can put it up again next year. Let's head home, go back in our house. That was great. That was fun. But not this year. Jesus is there this year. And he's watching all of this happen. He's watching them talk about the water and the rock. He's watching them talk about God's provision. He's watching them yell, oh, Lord, save us. And he can't control himself. He can't contain himself. He says this, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried. Remember, they just yelled, oh, Lord, save us. They just poured out the water. He stands up and yells, here I am. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. You're doing this with the water. You've been doing it every year. I'm telling you, if anyone is thirsty, here I am. Come to me. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. They'd been marching for hundreds of years saying, oh, Lord, save us. And Jesus says, I will do just that. I'm here. You've been wanting this. You've been longing for this. You've been asking for this. I'm here. I'm here. And in a short time, he would go to a cross and die for the sins, not just of Israel, but for the whole world, and rise again so they could be saved. To everyone's surprise, there he was. You know, sometimes we do these ritual things and think it's over and let's go home. And, but here he is. It'll never be the same again. 
They've been thinking about this water coming out of this rock. The water and the rock, all of that was pointing to what was happening right now. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 3, they all in the wilderness ate of the same spiritual food and they drank of the same spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Jesus. And now he's here. There is a thirst inside of every human being. It's a thirst, I think, first of all, for significance. It's a thirst to realize that I matter to somebody. I matter, don't I? It's a thirst to know that I'm not just a random product of evolution. I'm here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, it doesn't matter what I do. It's a thirst to know that, that I have a purpose, that I have a reason, that I have significance. There is a thirst inside of every human being for eternity. There's a thirst to know that my life is not going to end in a slow ride in a hearse one day, that it's going to go beyond that, that I'm going to live. And, and when I live forever, I'm going to see my relatives and those who have gone on before me. And this life has purpose. It has meaning. It's going to, it's going to go beyond the grave. There's a thirst in every human being for love. I want to love. I want to be loved. And I want to give love. If you want that thirst quenched, Jesus said there's one real simple way to get it quenched. Come to me. Believe in me. And the result is water flowing in, but it's even more than that. It's water flowing out to other people. It's that significance and love and meaning and purpose flowing in and flowing out. How do you drink of it? You believe. Years ago, I went to the Coca-Cola factory in Atlanta, Georgia. How many have been to the Coca-Cola factory? Raise your hand. In Atlanta, Georgia. There are three of us that have been to the Coca-Cola factory in Atlanta, Georgia. It rocks. It's kind of like a Coca-Cola Disneyland. I mean, if you're into Coke, this is the Coca-Cola Disneyland. And you go in and take this amazing tour, and you watch these commercials. And, you know, Coca-Cola makes the best commercials. They've been doing it for generations. And all of their commercials are about, like, like significance <laughs> and, and, and love and and lasting, and people are drinking Coke after they've won the Olympics, and people are up on a mountain holding hands, singing, uh, you know, songs about uh, coming together, and, and songs that are just make you want to cry about that. It's the real thing, Coke. And they sing, and it's just, it's wonderful, and you're crying, and your emotions, I mean, they do great. And you think, man, Coke is it. <laughs> if I could just, I mean, this is, uh, this feeling, this is amazing. And then you go to the Climax room, the room where you can drink all the Coke you want. Now, they have it set up with fountains where you just bring your cup and get all the Coke you want. And they have Coke from every country in the world, basically. Because not every country has the same taste buds we have. 
Not every people group likes to drink the same Coke we drink. So they alter the Coke a little bit based on culture so everybody can drink what they really like. There's a Coke from uh, a certain part of the world that has ginger in it. And it's a strong, strong taste of ginger. And the people there, they love that. If they drank American Coke, it would be disgusting. In Southeast Asia, the flavor of the Coke is the flavor of lychee fruit. You ever eaten lychee fruit? It's this little strange, looks like a little eyeball kind of thing. Uh, sometimes you can find them when you go to certain uh, yogurt shops, and you can put them on the top there. You eat those little, it, it's, it's, it's bizarre. But you, I, So when I went, I just kept drinking. <laughs> I worked my way. Whoa, oh, I, I had to taste every flavor from every place. It was joyful. I had seen the movies. I would watched the commercials. I bought the T-shirt. I drank it all, but I left, and the thirst in me was still there. It didn't satisfy. I'm sorry. Not for long. Not for a lifetime. It can't. Nor can anything in this world. Nor can anything in this world. Jesus said, if you thirst, you come to me. When I was 21 years of age, I came to Christ. I gave my life to Jesus. I believed what he said, that he was the son of God, that he died and rose again. And that thirst in me to have significance was filled. I matter. I've been specially created by God. He died for me. He loved me that much. I must matter a ton to him. That thirst for love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Every thirst that you have, deep thirst, is found in Christ. Would you take out your communion cup this morning? And you who are a part of our Facebook Live congregation, go to your fridge, your cupboards. You go ahead and get a cracker, some bread, some juice. We're going to be coming to the person today who can satisfy that thirst. If you're here in the in-person group and you haven't gotten your cup, we have more in the back. Please go get one. It was during another festival a couple of years later, one called Passover, that Jesus told us that from that point on, we should do this thing. We should eat bread and drink juice to remember him the one who could satisfy the thirst, who could save those who come to him. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. Lord Jesus, we come to you now. Indwelling Holy Spirit, we come in your power now. We come to the feast of communion. We come to the one who satisfies. 
And as we take this bread today, Holy Spirit, we never want to do this in a ritual. We never want to do this like years ago they were doing that feast, walking through it and not recognizing the answer to all they were thinking about and talking about was right there. Lord, you're here. You're here. You're in every house right now that's watching, and you're in this room. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Lord, as we eat this today, we remember, we celebrate, and we experience your presence. Amen. Let's take that bread now. Those that are here in person, go ahead and open up the next part of that cup. And if you're a part of our Facebook Live service, this is time to drink that liquid, that juice you have with you. That night, Jesus took a cup, and he prayed, and he said, I want you to drink this. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, it wasn't his blood. His blood was in his body, so that's obvious. But what he was saying was, in a way that's hard to explain, every time you drink this, you're going to be connected to me. There's going to be a remembering, but more than that, there's going to be a, a connecting again with what's happening here and what's happening for the rest of time. This blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you that our sins have been forgiven, and because of that, our thirst has been satisfied. God, let the Spirit of God flow out of us to all those around us. Amen.